Welcome to the Beautiful Souls Podcast with your host, myself, Danielle Cadwell. I'm an Olympian author, speaker, and coach, and I'm here to dive deeper into all things mindset, manifestation, mission, and yes, some meditation. In 2013, I was an unfit, concussed, and massively self-conscious synchronized swimmer when an opportunity arrived that was well beyond my wildest dreams to begin training for the next Olympic Games. I was terrified. However, I decided to take the biggest leap of my life. I went all in, moving from Canada to Australia and dedicating my life to my sport. On this journey, I made a vow to myself. If I could do it, if I could really make my wildest dreams come true, I would spend the rest of my life sharing what I had learned to help others do the same. So beautiful souls, this podcast is where I fulfill my promise. We'll talk about everything from the energetics of manifestation and the power of self-worth to mindset cultivation and how to step up and into your soul mission. You can think of this time together as kind of like a soul spa, where together we will wash away your fears, massage you with some truth and some love, and spruce you up on the insides with some spirituality. So, are you ready to be rejuvenated from the inside out? Let's dive in. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited to have you here today because I have another incredible guest speaker. Well, is a guest speaker? Just guest on the podcast, Julie Wobie. So I actually met Julie through TikTok um, quite a few months ago, and she actually found me and joined my first program, Worthy, and then in the program, The Clarity Code. And seeing her transformation over the past six plus months has just been absolutely incredible, not only for her, but for her children as well. And I wanted to share her story, her light, her love with this world because she has such a vibrancy inside of her and such a drive to be her truth and live in her light and be a light warrior. So for anyone out there that is looking for some inspiration, that is looking for a light at the end of the tunnel, that wants to know that things can get better if you're struggling with your self-worth or your self-love or just what is going on in your life, if you're wanting to live more true to you, if you're wanting to shift your life, I want you to have a listen to this incredible podcast with Julie because not only has she made incredible internal shifts in the past six plus months, but also her externally, her life has shifted in so many ways now too. She's starting her own business. She's writing a chapter in a book and it's so incredible to see it have, having seen that all come into fruition and manifest for her. So I'm going to let you dive right into this episode and enjoy. And if you love it, please go and give Julia a follow and share with her or with myself what impact this made on you. I hope you enjoy my beautiful souls. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Beautiful Souls podcast. I'm very excited to have you guys here today because I have the most special guest with us, um, Julie Wobie, who is an incredible soul that has come into my field in the past year or so through TikTok and then working in my programs. Um, and one of the reasons that I wanted to share and speak with her on here is not only do her and her daughters have an incredible story. Not only is Julie just like the most magnetic sunshine you will ever hear of, but she also has such a beautiful heart and such a beautiful message. And it's been really beautiful to see Julie 
transform and shift over the past like nine, oh, six, six to nine months that we've known each other and see so much in your life change. And I even think Julie, like, I feel like in so many ways, me and you are really similar. Like we're different ages, definitely, but very similar. And, you know, your story of just kind of going from like a people pleaser and being very much like living, you know, projecting a perfect world to just really being so much more authentic and real and, and how that's really healed you and your daughters. And I think there's going to be so many souls out there who are going to deeply benefit from hearing your perspective as a mom and as a human being, as a people pleaser, but as a dreamer and a big lover and carer. And so I'm so excited to kind of dive into a little bit about you and then how you as well kind of got into what more so what you're doing now, which is decluttering, which is really, really cool as well. So beautiful Julie, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Thank you. That was my heart is so full already. Like we can end right now. That's all we need to know, friends. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. So yes. So my name is Julie. Um, I live in Canada as well as Danielle. The interesting thing is, is that um, my sister lives close to her. So I feel like we're connected that way. Um, I'm a mom of two, 48 years old. Uh, I feel like I'm still 25 though. So you I feel like it too. Helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, And so our story and my story is that from a very young age, I thought that kindness was my gift and what I wanted to share with people. And I say that because when I ask people, oh, what do you like? Why do you like me? Or why are we friends? Or what is it? And they always say to me that it's my heart. And they call me like your kindness warrior, your magical unicorn. Mm. And I liked that, but then at times I started to think that it was a weakness and that was because so many things kept happening and I started to question, okay, am I really this good person? Like, why is all of this happening? Mm. And I realized that despite everything that has happened and I've had a very full life, lots of beautiful things, lots of tears, lots of hardships, lots of crying, um, So what I realized was that no matter what I show up, no matter Mm. what I pour into others, I lead with love and kindness, no matter what. I Mm. had some experiences where really close people to me hurt me and you would think that you would close your heart and you would retreat. And Mm. for whatever reason, I don't do that. And so the past (laughs) few... okay. (laughs) The past few years, and most specifically this year, I realized that I can be myself and I can be my true self. And the people that accept me being vulnerable and authentic, even when they don't like it, so that sometimes means that I put in boundaries. If they walk away, then they weren't meant to be there. Mm. What I'm finding is that when you do that, you create space for other people And then they can share. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's what I love about meeting you because I had no business being on TikTok. I didn't even know what it was. Like my (laughs) children kept saying to me, you're on TikTok. What are you even doing? And then I just stumbled one time on a live. I didn't even know what the live was. And you just had this energy. It's it's like you are sunshine, pure sunshine. (laughs) And I just kept listening to you. And then my youngest kept saying to me, is that Danielle again? Are you listening to her? And I just knew that I needed to know more. 
And that, that experience has truly changed my life. I know I did the work. You provided the tools and the space. And for that reason, I'll be forever grateful. Oh, that makes me so happy. Oh, my whole heart as well. Um, let's go into, and it's been, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that stuff as well, but I want to kind of go back and you talked about, and I so resonate with you saying that you always wanted to be kind. Cause I very much felt the same. I was just growing up. I was like, I'm just going to be nice. I just want everyone to like me and I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be kind. That's what I'm going to be known for. Where do you think that stemmed from for me, for you? Hmm, I never thought about it that way. I think it was in my soul. Mm-hmm. I think that after going through some things, I realized that I, I was born with some limiting beliefs, but it wasn't until I was older. I do believe that I was born with that ability to see people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't that, oh, I'm going to be nice. It was more like, I am nice. Like that's Mm -hmm. just my personality. And it wasn't until Mm -hmm. the world told me, no, that's not the way you get ahead. Like I had these Mm -hmm. experiences, um, even when I was working in different jobs and people would say to me, well, why aren't you playing the game? And I was like, playing the game. Like I'm a person, like you're a person, like we're people, souls living this life. I'm not going to play any game. This is, this is who I am. And I think that my family we, we grew up where no one really talked about anything deep or anything mm-hmm. hard. So yeah. it, it was so easy to have this idea that, well, I am nice and I am kind. And that's what I learned. No one talked about it. So I didn't talk about those things. Mm-hmm. And that is a really humbling and hard realization as a mom, because when you become a mom, everything changes. And then you look at your life experiences with a different lens. Mm -hmm. And I think that is when I realized, yes, I do have this within me, but I need boundaries too, because no one is going to save me. Like I grew up on Disney movies. I grew up thinking that Prince Charming was going to come and save me. And the ironic thing is, is I did get married in a castle. <laughs> it wasn't the fairy tale that I thought it was at the time, <laughs> Yeah, but it didn't end up being that way. So I think I was born with it. And I think that our family and the way that I was raised just made me believe that, yes, be kind to others, be nice. People will like you. And people always did like me. So I didn't have any yeah. reason to think otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of that kind of growing up. And I think this is very much like the path, the, you know, that generation of people. It's just, even, even my dad has shared about that. It's just like, you don't, you don't, no one shares the dirty laundry, right? You barely even share it with your, sometimes you share it with your partner, like in that day and age, but everyone shows up kind of with like a perfect front. And I feel like, you know, society and parenthood and moms are changing so much now. And even for you, like, I know that we have spoken about like quite a few years ago, you were kind of, even, you know, your fairy fairy tale wedding, you're kind of putting up this perfect, presentation of yourself like what was that like and then what kind of shifted into you being more true to you so I think that I'm a very loyal person so I always when I take on something or I do something I'm committed so no one showed me that I mattered Mm. or that my opinions mattered so if I go to my 
marriage and we got married and I feel like I compromised a lot, but I didn't know I was compromising. I just thought, Mm -hmm. okay, well, my dad was the breadwinner. My mom stayed at home. I had all these dreams and aspirations and I wanted to fly, but I also didn't want to make my partner feel small. Mm. And so I thought, okay, how can I do? So I would do little things and I would do projects. And I, so that would keep me fulfilled on a soul and heart level. And then I could have this image because I, people have said to me, I had this image to the world that my life was absolutely perfect. And Mm. I don't think I intentionally didn't share the hard parts. One, I didn't know that I could share the hard parts. Two, I never wanted to share someone else's story and hurt another person. Mm -hmm. Three, I felt that, and I learned this for my whole entire life, that if I thought positively, if I saw the good in things, if I shared what I was learning, so if I was having a hard day and I decided I was going to go for a walk or I was going to do something nice for myself or I was even going to breathe, I would share that, say, on social media. And I wouldn't Mm -hmm. share, I'm literally in my kitchen crying my eyes out. I didn't share that part because I didn't Mm -hmm. think that that would help people. I thought that if I shared the positive, that's what they needed. Mm -hmm. And I was wrong, but I didn't Mm -hmm. know it. I didn't know. How did you realize you were wrong? I realized I was wrong when um, a few people told me, (laughs) like a few people said to me, um, you're here showing up and like, you have like, you're married and you got married in a castle and you have a nice house and you have a really good job and you go on vacations and now you have the two children and they're like, they're the kindest kids around. Mm -hmm. But what I wasn't sharing was that I knew that my husband wasn't happy and I didn't know how to fix him. So I just kept trying to be even more happy and like let indulge him in all the things that he wanted to do, thinking that that would bring him peace. Mm. And I would do a lot of things in my community. So I was a spark leader and I would volunteer and I would take the girls everywhere. And again, I didn't ask myself, is that really what you wanted? Like I thought that the way that I would feel that I was okay with things that I knew in my soul or my gut were not, was that if I just helped other people, then I'd be okay. Mm. And then um, this was three years ago in May. I posted on my Facebook because it would have been my wedding anniversary. And I shared with people that my husband didn't live with us anymore. And that, um, we were okay. We were doing actually really well, but I didn't want to keep the secret anymore. And Mm -hmm. I got a lot of backlash from people that I thought would support me. And they said, I'm so sad. And I'm actually insulted that you put this brave face in the world and you didn't share that you were going through all of this. But at the time, I didn't know that I was putting on a brave face. I was just showing up when I could. Mm -hmm. And I was doing what I had learned through my whole life that when you can help, you help Mm -hmm. and you don't share the bad parts. Mm -hmm. And um, then as my children 
got older and we, I started to see that they were suffering. Mm. I realized this isn't the way because I don't want them to grow up thinking that they can never show what they're feeling. I want them to know that me as their mom, I'm there for them unconditionally, no matter what. I will love them. I will listen to them. I will support them. And they don't have to shrink. They don't have to hide. They don't have to pretend. They can be their whole self. Mm. Mm. And the part that I needed help with, because it was great to say that and to do that. And inside my house, I was doing that. On social media, I was doing that. But the part that I didn't share is that by me honoring my children and what they needed, I was feeling judged by other people because no one else was parenting like that, at least not in my circle. No yeah. one was. And I needed to make peace with both of that, like both parts. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to do it. And so I found myself in private crying my eyes out almost every single day. Mm. feeling like I wasn't enough. And what did I do in this lifetime to have this much pain? Or why couldn't other people see that I was doing the best I could and that there's not only one way to parent, there's not only one way to show up, there's not only one way to live. Like we all have different experiences and we all have stuff that we're working through. And if a person decides to show up and show the good sides, that's not bad. That's not Mm -hmm. wrong. But my heart was telling me, I need to figure out a way that I can show all of it that feels true to me, that my children would be okay with, and that would help us all heal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's so, so like powerful what you said. And it's like, almost like you've gone from, I just, in my mind, you've gone from vanilla ice cream to being like, some spicy, cool flavor because you've like allowed the truth to come out in you. And I think it's something that I've been really like playing with in myself. And I think it's society as a whole. It's like, how do we still be in the light, but show our truth and our truth isn't pretty, you know, quite often it isn't pretty and it's okay to not be pretty, but not to be like to, for it to hang on people, for it to still uplift people and be like, you know what? I get you too. Me too. I've been through that. I struggle too. Sometimes I have hard days, but we can get through it instead of being like, it's all good. No, we're fine. Let's just be happy. Right. Like that's like past, like, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, what would you say with, was one of your darkest moments? in in the single parenting because at that time you were a single mom right yes so I would say the darkest moment and the greatest gift was Mm. the moment that my husband at the time came to me so I'll just give you a little bit of a background so we had had challenges and so some of these challenges people knew so he had been unfaithful um, with one of my best friends. And that was very challenging. And that was, at the time, I don't think I processed it. I was just like, okay, how can I take control of this situation? How can I do the next best thing? And for me, the next best thing felt like, we'll talk about it. We'll go to therapy. We'll make sure the girls are okay. And we can still have our fairy tale and we can still move on with our life. 
Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of work. And to his credit, he did a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And we, every, I've never shared this with anyone before. Every year at Christmas, I made this vow to myself that if anytime throughout the year, I felt like I wasn't whole or I made a mistake or there was something more, if I still felt like it on December 31st, I was going to say something because I was not going to start a new year feeling like this is it. Like, this is like, I'm settling, like, this is it. Like Mm -hmm. we all deserve more. And when you have children, everyone thinks, well, the best thing is to keep a family together and make them feel like they are supported. But the best thing is doing what you would want for your children. Mm -hmm. So the ironic part is, is that when we got to that point four years ago, I was really happy. I was whole. I was thinking we made it, like we made it through everything. And then on December 28th, he came to me and he said, I'm not happy. I think I'm going to move out. And I was absolutely gutted, but I didn't even have words. I Mm. literally quite honestly said, okay, that's all I said. I didn't fight. I didn't say, you know what, let's try this. Like, how can I make you happy or what can I do? I just said, okay. And it wasn't in that moment. It wasn't even two months into that moment. Maybe three months later, I realized my soul knew. My soul knew that I couldn't keep doing this. And I heard this quote by Glennon Doyle, and she was talking about when she was going on her book tour and she was going to present to the world how she had this redemption in her marriage and everything was great. And Mm -hmm. then she fell in love with a woman (laughs) and she didn't know what to do. And she kept thinking, why did he do this to me? Like, why did he do this to me? Why is this happening? Like, why, why couldn't it have been what I thought? And then she said, wait a minute, why am I doing this to myself? And when I read that, I have goosebumps. I, I thought, why hasn't anyone said that before? Like, why don't we think that what we need, not even as parents, as human beings, as women, why isn't our needs important? Mm -hmm. And I realized that that's not a life telling yourself that every December 31st, you're going to do a check-in. And if you're not happy, then you're going to leave. And so Mm -hmm. I changed my whole mindset. I mean, it wasn't as easy as that. It took time, but I I saw the gift and I stopped. hating him and I stopped resenting him and I just started living again. Mm. What did that look like for you? So funny enough, (laughs) um, that's when I, that's when I discovered decluttering and I just, I thought if I could lighten our home, we could like, things would be better. And so we started taking back our power and we started taking back our energy and we did small things. So I would take the girls on a day trip. I took them to Disney World, just the three of us. I um, I painted our, all our rooms. Like we had a very brown house. And I hesitate saying that because I feel like I'm not 
grateful because I had a house, but everything in our house, pretty much he had picked and I just agreed. And so now we have a very white, (laughs) very light, (laughs) um, very like calming look. And it just, the more I did, the more I felt better. And then the more my children started to feel better. And then they would say to me, mom, like, I wasn't sure at first that we could make it. And we did like, look at us. Wow. So it felt as long as that lasted, it felt um, light and freeing and like we could do it and that we were coming out on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine even like, you know, just you would have felt so independent, you know, after kind of being like, I use quotation marks, the perfect wife or attempting to be the perfect wife for all those years. And all of a sudden you're on your own. And you, it's like, now you, you really took your power back, like doing all of that and shifting your home, going on trips. Like that would have been really empowering for you. Probably scary, but empowering. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it was very yeah. empowering. And it was like for quite a while, I thought, oh, this is, this is okay. Like I even, we even went on a family trip. We went on a camping trip and people were like, what? And I was like, this is co-parenting at its finest. Like we're good. Mm. We're good. Mm. We and weren't. then, <laughs> and then after that, I know things kind of shifted with you and your daughters and around just your mental health and kind of healing. I can imagine like as well, it's an interesting point when you're kind of as a child, you're moving into teenagehood and your awareness of the world is expanding. And I can imagine at the same time as a child, like, you know, your parents are separating, you're understanding things on a deeper level. You don't have that innocence anymore. And I know you and your daughters kind of went through your own healing journey, kind of on the other side of this big change, right? Yes. So, um, so things were really light and things were happy and all of those wonderful things were happening, but then little things would happen. Um, mm. So my daughter, one of my daughters would get really angry at home and she, she, she just didn't seem to be herself and I didn't know what it was. And so at first I thought, okay, what can I do? So I, I went back to my old habits of what I would do with her dad. Like, how can I make her happy? How can I fix mm. this for her? Wow. Yeah. And what I've learned, especially during this time, because we've been at home all the time, is that we can't fix others. We can hold space. We can give them the tools. We can love them and we can support them. But they they have to want it. Now, I say that, but I also believe that me working on myself definitely um, trickled into both of them. And I would say even generations of us, like, um, with my ancestors and with their children, like, I think we're healing all of that, but it was a very, it was a very difficult road because as you said, so they were turning into almost teenagers at the time. Mm -hmm. And so all of those feelings that I had that I parented a different way started to come back. And I started to feel that people were judging me and they were judging my children. So if one of them decided that they just had too much anxiety and they couldn't go to school, I didn't make them. I, I always communicated with the school. I always talked about it, but I didn't, I didn't force them. I actually really don't force them to do anything. Um, 
And people started talking. People started talking in our neighborhood. People started talking in the community. Family members were talking. And my older daughter started being labeled as the problem kid or friends that I had been friends with for a long time would tell their kids, Oh, you know what? Can you not hang out with her? Like, can you hang out with someone else? Wow. That'd be hard as a mom as well. Yes. Yes. And I was like, that is when, that is when I wish that I had shared some of the things that were happening because if you take, say, um, like there's there's a child in our school that was diagnosed with uh, juvenile diabetes and everyone rallied around her and the family and everyone wanted to make sure that they were supported and that she felt safe in school and everything was great. Mm-hmm. My child was diagnosed with mental health issues, but we didn't tell anyone. So no one mm-hmm. knew. So people just thought, oh, she's acting out. She's trying to get attention, whatever they would say. And so if I had it to do over, I wish that I had shared that because it's really lonely doing that by yourself. Yeah. And it's really hard when you don't have any family that lives around. You don't feel that you can talk to your friends. Then a pandemic hits. And then you realize both your kids are suffering. And then who do you choose to help? Because one might be struggling with self-harm and one might be struggling with not wanting to eat. And who do you help in that moment? Mm -hmm. One might be fighting with the other one or hitting the other one or whatever they're doing, yelling, fighting, screaming, ignoring. (laughs) And then the other one is in their room crying. Who do you choose? Like, it felt like the most impossible situation to be in. Mm -hmm. And, um, so what I did was I just started advocating for them. So I went to the school, Mm -hmm. I asked the school for a meeting and I shared, and they thanked me for being vulnerable and they gave me access to some resources. And then I met with multiple doctors and um, therapists. And even then, um, the way that she presented, for lack of a better word, both of them actually, was that they were angry and it was behavioral and that what had happened in our family was making them act out. Mm. And it wasn't until a few months ago that I was in a meditation actually with you in the course that we were in. And um, we were asked to write down what is one thing that you need to happen right now mm-hmm. that you can't wait. Mm-hmm. And by this point I was exhausted and I felt like no one was listening to me. And I was really worried that I was going to lose my children Because mental health is an invisible disease that no one understands, but it doesn't fight fair. And you don't really know how to help. And so I took out a piece of paper and I wrote divine intervention. That's it. That's what I wrote. And then I fell asleep. And then I woke up um, at the end of the meditation. So I missed the whole thing. And um, I turned off my laptop and I went to sleep. 
And then the next day I talked to um, a nurse from my children's school and she said, have you tried this resource? She said, I think these people might help you. Like, I think you've tried everything. You are fiercely advocating for them. I know that it's not behavioral. I know that something else is going on and we just don't know what it is. And Mm -hmm. none of them feel comfortable talking about it. And you can't do this by yourself. And so I thought about it and I thought about it. And then I thought, what else, what else could happen? And so there's a lot of things that happened that because it happened to my children, I don't necessarily want to share, but there were some things that were just really hard, really hard. And I didn't feel as their mom who was also witnessing it because I was taking on their pain and their struggles. I didn't think I could do it by myself. So I called the number that she gave me and um, within a week, that's actually not true. Within a day, they called me back and they said, we're going to help you. We don't know what that looks like, but Mm. your family needs help. And we can see how much you have tried and we're going to help. So, and they have been helping. They did help Mm -hmm. and they continue to help and um, things are turning around. What we found out is that all three of us have trauma. So Mm -hmm. trauma from our childhood, trauma from our family, trauma from um, the separation, trauma from things that just happened in their lives. And no one saw that. Mm. And then when they explained it to me, I was like, this makes a lot of sense. Mm. So the thing that I really want parents to know, because you might not be dealing with mental health, you might not be dealing with trauma. What also happened, which is my second divine intervention is the next week, I sent a message to a group of my friends. I hadn't shared anything with them. Some of them literally live like eight houses away. And I hadn't really shared what was happening. And I thought to myself, okay, my children are getting help. Now I need help because I can't keep doing this by myself. And Mm -hmm. trauma, as I'm coming to learn and understand, it's not, there's not a quick fix. Mm. There's understanding and there's tools, but it's not a quick fix. So I thought I'm going to share. And so I shared everything, all of it every detail I shared (laughs) and I was so scared and the support that I got was overwhelming in a good way and um the support is still there and so what I want to share with parents is that I believed that we couldn't share the hard hard parts because one it wasn't our story to share and two people were going to judge us and three people were going to find it was too hard Mm -hmm. the truth is it was my story because I'm living it too. Mm-hmm. When you share with other people, some people may walk away, but not everyone did. For the most part, everyone stayed and wants to support us. And since that day, which it's been like two months since that happened, a lot of um, people in my circle or in my community or friends of friends have reached out to me and thanked me for having courage to share what we're going through because they are going through it and they didn't feel safe to share. Mm. Mm. And that's, 
that's what I hope that people take from this and understand that there is so much power in sharing because people want to help when they know they might not know how to help, but when someone, when you open the space, when you create a space that is safe for other people to share, you change their lives, you change your lives. And I believe that we will change the the world because Mm -hmm. we do have dark spots, dark parts, just like you said at the beginning. And we have a lot of light and we, I wake up every morning and think about I'm grateful for this. Sometimes it might be the pillow that I'm sleeping on. Sometimes it might be that the sun is shining, but I find an anchor so that I can return to the light, but I don't ignore the dark. I acknowledge mm-hmm. those parts and I figure out how I can, what can I do today to feel better or whole or good? And if I'm really feeling strong, how can I work on those parts? Because I don't want those parts to define me or my family or anyone else. And for so long, we've been shown as a world that we have to hide that part. And the more of us that share and the more of us that are brave and vulnerable and authentic, we will change the world. And it starts one conversation, one story at a time. So true. You know, I always believe that vulnerability, it's like you being vulnerable gives someone else permission to see that within their self, you know, and, you know, by you know, if someone is listening, we can't always expect people to be vulnerable with us if we're not vulnerable with them. So even opening up like what you did, Julie, and sharing with your friends, giving your friends permission to talk, oh my gosh, I'm moving through this as well. Um, it's such a beautiful place to start because, you know, in the work that that I do, like everyone has something, you know, everyone has something if they are wanting to talk about it, move through it. And everyone's pain is equal. You know, that's what I talk about in my book. All of our pain is equal in our own way, shape or form. Right. And when we just acknowledge and and understand that people have pain and, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be scary. And I think that from that, you know, maybe past generation of how we're growing up, it was, it was so uncomfortable for people because people just didn't know how to handle it. And I think that, I mean, you might find this as well. Sometimes you can have conversations where you tell people stuff and they just, they're just not at the level or consciousness to, they just like, can't take it and that's okay. But there's a lot of people that can't. And I really see that world shifting and especially our younger generations. And I love that you as well talked about, um, spoke a little bit about like the mental health stigma and even that, you know, I have never, haven't thought about this specifically, but mental health stigma amongst younger children or adolescents and teenagers, because like how heart-wrenching that, you know, your children may have just been labeled with as behavioral issues when it's really, it's something deeper than that. And, and, you know, the, whole conversation around mental health it is opening up more and more but even amongst younger children nowadays we're seeing so many more kids with anxiety and ADHD and you know even with COVID you know all the things that are coming up for children now like how as a mom do you I know you spoke about this a little bit but I think it's really good to expand on it how do you deal with the mental health stigma around adolescents or how do you advocate for that so the way that I advocate is by speaking up and sharing. So one of the things that my childhood helped me with this is me growing up with this idea to be kind and lead with love. You can educate other people and you can share your opinion in a way that doesn't turn them off. So 
being completely transparent and honest, there's days when I want to open a can of, I don't know what on people. Cause I'm so frustrated. I'm like, <laughs> please just like, can you just have a little bit of grace. And I know that's not going <laughs> to, so the reason why she's laughing is I don't really swear. I don't really. <laughs> yeah. When I first said, Julie she said to me, she's like, Danielle, I don't swear. It's okay that you do it, but I'm not going to say, I'm like, that's okay. And then one day in one of our courses program calls, she was just swearing. I was like, oh, I've infiltrated you. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. The thing is we do have like, you have, like, I have this fire in me now that I don't want other kids the way that I don't want other moms to feel like I did. I don't want other kids to feel that they're less than, or they're labeled or they're a problem because they're struggling because mm -hmm. so many are. So mm -hmm. I talk to, I talk to kids a lot. So I've been known as one of the parents that other kids would come to if they like needed help or I had a question or whatever. So even just a couple of days ago, two of um, my youngest little friends came and they were sitting on the grass and they were waiting for her. So I just went outside and Tori's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. So I went out there <laughs> and I was talking to them and I said to them, I said, so I heard you guys were getting into like a little um, disagreement with one of your friends. And they were like, yeah, he's kind of annoying us and he's doing this. And I said, okay. I said, have you ever considered that maybe he's having a hard day? Like, did you ask him if he's okay? And so we had a conversation about that and they said that they didn't consider it. And they just thought that, well, he's just being, they said some word. I don't even, I don't know what the younger generation says, but basically they just thought he wasn't being nice to them. So they weren't going to be nice back. Mm. So then we had this conversation and I switched and I said, so the two of you are sitting here. So how would you feel if friend number one said this to friend number two, and then my daughter comes out and she doesn't defend you. How would you feel? And they were like, oh, I'd feel really bad. And I said, so there's two responsibilities that I hope that you guys take on. And they're looking at me like, oh no, Miss Julie, what is it? And I said, one is that if you're feeling off or sad or uneasy, or you're not sure, talk to someone. You can talk to your friends. You can talk to your mom. You can come talk to me. You can talk to your teacher. Like, don't struggle with that on your own. It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot like adults struggle with it. So I can only imagine how it feels to be a 12 year old struggling with it. And they mm -hmm. hadn't considered it because sometimes no one has told them that they matter and that their opinion matters or what they're feeling matters. Mm -hmm. And then I said to them, and I said, and you know, if you're in a situation, cause you guys are going back to school. And if someone is being mean or your word that you guys use bullying another kid, I said, not helping that kid is also hurting that kid. So we were taught, whatever you do, don't add more hurt. Mm -hmm. But when we, when we encounter, even as adults, when we encounter a situation where something's happening and we don't do anything because we don't want to get involved, then we're saying that's okay. And it's not okay. So I think the way that I'm changing it is that I'm having those kind of conversations, even with like 12 year olds mm -hmm. and 11 year olds so that they know that it's a safe place in a kind way. And mm -hmm. with parents, I remind them you're the parent and they're the child, their brain hasn't even developed yet and they are struggling and they might not know how to show you 
how they're feeling. And so they might be doing something that you really do not like. And your gut reaction is you want to give them a consequence or a punishment or yell at them. Take a deep breath and think about it and try and put yourself in their shoes and ask. Um, and some people are not receptive <laughs> to that. Yeah. Um, but in my group of friends, they've all thanked me and they said, we didn't think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so we can so often disregard the feelings of children it's like, you know, we just it, it, yes. like stop crying or you shouldn't feel that you should feel this, but it's like, you know, it, even like I have 14 nieces and nephews, so I'm around kids a lot. And it's like, you know, I love that perspective that you shared as well. How are you really feeling about this and giving them permission? Cause I think sometimes as adults, we don't give permission for children because they can feel the same thing that we are feeling they get to feel sad or confused or upset or depressed you know they get to go through those things too um and and especially in the, the world that we're living in now it's a lot more complicated than 40 years ago right and I think just you know like what you're saying just even just having conversations and that's why you know I love we do that in my group programs but conversations can be really healing for people to feel open to feel heard and just being willing to talk about the uncomfortable things, which I think we're starting to move into that society, but I think it needs a lot more of that. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, And then can I share something that's related? Oh my gosh, um, of course. That I realized as an adult. So for the parents, what I realized through this whole time is that I was triggered by things that were happening with my children because I had things that I hadn't healed from my childhood. Mm. And so it made it easier for me to accept and have grace and meet my children where they were because I could remember what it felt like when I didn't feel heard as a Mm. kid. And I feel as horrible as some of the things are that have happened, I feel that all of us healed. And so even with their dad leaving, like the gift is too that they that they realize that you don't have to stay in a situation that doesn't feel right to you. Mm. They what I didn't realize and what I've learned in therapy is that they didn't really know what a loving relationship was, even though the whole world thought, here's this fairy tale couple. They met when they were 20. They live together. They work together. They travel together. They do everything together. And the girls said to me one day, I don't think we even saw you dad kiss. And I was like, what? But then I realized that the pain and the hurt that I carried on from what happened within our marriage. And I thought I was keeping us together for them. I actually was teaching them that that's what you accept and that's what a relationship is because they would hear from the outside world, oh, your parents are so great. Their story's so Mm -hmm. wonderful. But then at home they were seeing that doesn't really sit right with us. So we have those kind of conversations Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And I think that sometimes we feel like we have to have these conversations when really big things happen I think having these conversations um, weekly or every few days or even checking Mm -hmm. in and asking what filled your cup today? 
or what kind thing did you witness today? Because when you start on the positive, they'll feel comfortable. And then at least in my case, they always end up telling me the things that they were struggling with too, because then I created the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they need. They need to know that whatever they're feeling, they can share it and it's going to be safe. Because if you think about it, even as an adult, so when we have a bad day and we're like really frustrated and then we still have to go on with our day, it feels anxious and it feels awful. Mm-hmm. And we're grownups. So mm-hmm. put yourself in a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old or a teenager's how are they supposed to deal with that? So we put all these expectations on them because Mm -hmm. that's what the world told us. When I think doing what's right for your children and for yourself is never the wrong answer. And that's what I learned. I always thought Mm. I had to do what people thought we should do or parent the way that I thought that we should, because that's what I was told. But what, what disservice am I doing to myself at what cost to me or my children? Mm. Yeah. And I know for you, like there was a big shift as well when you started to actually put love into yourself, right. And seeing that ripple out into your children, like even in the past year, the past couple of years, when you started to work on that, because I think, you know, again, I'm not a mom, but there's that mom guilt. You have like, Oh, I should be, you know, doing something for them instead. But just in seeing how you have been doing so much for yourself and the ripple effect that that's had for your kids as well over the past year. Most definitely. I have um, one story I can share. So through in the past year, a lot of things have changed. A lot of incredible things have come into our field and we've had opportunities and it's been quite magical and amazing and hard. (laughs) Um, Mm. And I was sitting actually right here and I was on a call and someone had asked me if I wanted to contribute to a book. And I really wanted to, I've always wanted to write. I'm I feel so much more confident in myself and my message and my worth that I want to share it. I just didn't know how. And um, so I was sitting there and I wasn't sure, even though I want to do it, I'm looking at my little and I'm like, oh, is this going to take time away from her? Should I do this? And I was hemming and hawing. And all of a sudden, she's a mini me and much wiser and she will change the world. She looked at me and she's like, mom, do the book write the chapter. You need to. I was like, what do you mean? And she said, what I've noticed is when you do the things that make you happy and that you love, we work better. That's so beautiful. (laughs) She literally gave me permission and told me that, no, you're not taking away. You're adding to us. So that is like, that's so beautiful. And that like moms in particular, because for some reason, I don't know why this is like, why do dads like they sleep in late? They don't do their hair or do makeup. Really. They just like get up, get dressed and go to work. They don't give a thought to (laughs) do the children have a lunch. Have they had breakfast? Are they dressed? Did they have a shower? Like we have a million things going through our mind. And then we feel guilty when we do something for ourselves. And there was love and proof in action of a 12-year-old saying to me, do it, mom. It will help us. It's not taking from us. Wow. That's so beautiful. And even, you know, uh, 
uh, like knowing that one of your daughters has even sat in on a whole bunch of our calls yes. as a group because <laughs> she loves you know she I you know for you has seen that change within you but also like taking in that I, I feel like just authenticity and vulnerability from a group of women like you know when I think sisterhood womanhood circles group space can be so healing um and um, it's beautiful to see how you, and, and it doesn't negate that you've still been through a lot of hard things as in the past year, really, really hard things. But what I've seen in you is that when you keep pouring into yourself, it's like, you're, you're okay. you like, and even I remember you saying to me, you're like, Danielle, I used to cry every day, you know, like, and now it's like, but it, now it's different for you. Right. It's like, yeah, you might have the tears, but you like just have the faith or the hope or a different perspective. Yes. And I think that I learned so much, like as, as I was going through the process and at the beginning, when the hard things would happen, I would be like, oh my gosh, this is like the worst thing. Or when I wasn't entirely sure. And I would, I would accept what someone said as, okay, that's who I am. And I remember there was this one moment and I shared it, um, in, um, one of your groups. And I said, why am I letting the opinion of someone or people in our lives that continually hurt us or walk away or don't really know where we are right now? Why am I taking that as truth? And why is I'm, why am I taking that on and accepting that when I know that our ability to work th- through things, love each other and make it through hard days is 100%. Why are, Mm. why am I not trusting myself and my Mm. children? And I, I remind myself of that almost every day. And when I start to have doubts and I start to fear or think, oh my gosh, how much more can I take? I I'm reminded that I can, Mm. I'm not only a kindness warrior, like everyone has said, like, I really am this person that love so fiercely and finally loves myself and I believe in myself. So I don't need that outside validation. I don't need to accept what someone else says because it's not true. They're not me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that has been beautiful. That has been, and I see that in my children. I see that. And that's why I say that when certain things that we were doing to try and heal them, weren't working. And then, uh, I focused. So I started in February, I think with you, and it didn't matter to me if they listened to the calls or if I shared something, if they really paid attention, I just truly believed in my soul that if I did the work and I showed up for myself, it would have a ripple effect. And it has, it has. Mm -hmm. And now like I am writing that chapter. I am I want to write a book. I want to have a course. I, yes, I start yes. my own business. Like <laughs> I, I'm like pumping my fist because it's like so cool to see. And like, not only are you like business and course and book and all this stuff, but also yesterday, one of your daughters launched her own yes. store, which is amazing to inspire. Like, it's just to see you. And I can imagine like your daughter sees you going after what you want and that's so possible. So she's like, Oh, I can do it too. Yep. Like how incredible. It's like, it, it was such a proud day. I had to be her first customer because I was like, it was so cool. And she really, we'll put a link. 
We'll put a link to her shop okay. in the podcast notes. So if anyone wants to go and support um, Julie's daughter, you can go do that. Yeah, she was like, it, it was, it's beautiful to watch. And they, they have so much hope. Like one thing that I'm learning is there's still a lot of work that we need to work on, but we have hope. And yeah, I think when you start, when you start down the path and you start to see that there's so much more light than dark, you can work yeah. on other things. So one thing that I think moms could really benefit from. And I resisted because you must have said this to me 20 times. And I resisted you every (laughs) single time is I was able in this process and all the hard stuff that I was going through or feeling with my own daughters, I was able to start the process of healing the relationship with my own mom, which Mm. I really Because if you recall, I said, nope, I'm just giving up. You told me that if I wrote the forgiveness letter, I did not have to have a relationship. And I was like, my heart was so closed. And I realize it's because there's certain people in your life that you don't expect them to hurt you. And when you're hurt, all you see is what they did. You don't realize that they're a human just like you having Mm -hmm. an experience and they probably Mm -hmm. went through similar things that you don't know about. And um, so I, I finally heard you and I started the conversation with both my parents actually. And we had some very, very hard conversations where there was lots of yelling and Um, them leaving my house or me telling them to leave my house and not talking for quite some time. And then eventually they, they came for a visit. This was maybe two months ago and said, can we just talk to you? And I was like, I'm so tired. I was like, sure. I was so resigned. I think I would have said yes to anything. And they looked at me and they said, we're sorry. And I was like, what? I have to sit for that for a second. And then they said, no, like we are, we are truly sorry. We had no idea that the things that we were doing or the stuff that we carried from our childhood or the things that we were taught and the way that we were parented, we had no idea that that was impacting you and the girls Mm -hmm. and knowing all the stuff that you continue to go through and you continue to show up for them no matter what we're humbled and my mom said and I love my grandmother I mean my grandmother's passed away but I love my grandmother and she said I wish that I had had someone like you in my life when I was younger so when that happens oh that's so beautiful you start to realize that the pain is worth it because when you're in the in middle of something and when your heart starts to close off and when, because what you had said to me, Danielle, was you said, do you think that there is a possibility that you can meet them and love them where they're at? Stop trying to control, stop trying to change, <laughs> just meet them where they're And I remember I looked at you and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Julie is very funny. I just have to quickly say one of the um, days we were doing some work and I was making her look, basically look at all the stuff. And she goes, Danielle, I do not like you right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's all come out. But yeah, I said, I said, do you want to meet them where they're at instead of expecting to be where you want them to be? 
and and yeah, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that when you so when you surround yourself by people that are on similar journeys and that their hearts mm. are open and they're vulnerable and they're willing to do the hard things because for the most part the things that you asked me to do or anyone else in the group was not hard but it felt hard because it's a lot of things that we don't talk about people don't talk about that we pushed it down and then when the feelings would come up you'd get all these like feelings inside like I remember telling you once, like, I felt like my heart was being enclosed in a cage and I didn't want to go through it anymore. And then now I think about it and I was like, if I stayed there, like none of this would happen. Like I wouldn't be here having Mm. this conversation with you. My daughter wouldn't have opened an Etsy shop. My other daughter wouldn't be like, literally right now I'm just watching her and she's out on the swing and she's just like smiling and happy and feeling whole like there's a lot of work we're still going to work on but we've made so much progress and we've done some of the work and we've been vulnerable and we have hope and we have love yeah we wouldn't have had that if I stayed stuck yeah yeah and it makes you like this I even just feel it in your energy like this you now this you in your truth now and your authenticity and the messy and the beautiful and the hope and the light it's like this is not the right word, but it's just so much more interesting and vibrant and true. Like, it's like, I can feel your authenticity versus I didn't know you, you know, five, 10 years ago, but like that version of you is, I'm sure it looked beautiful on the outside, but this is like, it's just, you kind of just like laid it all out. You're like, this is me. I'm, I'm a good person and there's hard times and it's messy and it's ugly and it's, but it's beautiful and it's hope. And it's like that energy. And I feel like that with you, Julie, it's like when you show up like that and she does this one and all the calls that she is in, in my programs, it's just, it's magnetic. It's like, people can't help, but love you (laughs) because you're just being true. Right. As opposed to maybe putting up a shield, even if you didn't know you're putting up a shield. Um, and and I just know that like this version of you now, this is it's gonna be the one that allows you to be the true successful woman that you are stepping into and that your children will step into as well. And it's just so beautiful to see this. And one of the things that we didn't like touch on too much, but I would love you to share about is like how decluttering and all of that really helped you in this process. Cause I think that's really, really interesting. And I like um how the shifting physical energy created emotional space most definitely so I remember um last year at this time my friend sent me a text and she said oh I joined this group it's a five-day group I don't know if you're going to be interested but I feel like it's something you really would be and we've never really talked about this and like decluttering isn't a thing friends talk about and I was like yeah I'm in I'll do it I was just like, cause it was her and I trusted her. And on day two of the course, the person that was reading it uh, was um, providing it said something. And she said, what if you're not your stuff? What if you're just a person that has a lot of stuff? Why are you attaching so much shame to having all this stuff? Why are you holding back on your life? Because you don't want someone to come in your house because you're worried what they're going to say. What if you got to choose? 
And I literally was lying over my counter and I was crying and I was laughing and I was like, I'm going to work for her. And I have a job. I have a job I love. Like I like, whoever thought like on day two. And so I went through the, I went through the course and our house. I mean, there's- Were you someone that had a lot of stuff? Yes, but you can't tell because I only show the parts Uh. that you need to (laughs) see, right? And so I, I just felt that our home was lighter and that we were happier. And then I realized that- one of the ways that you cope when you're going through things is you think that buying something is going to make you happy. You want that like dopamine hit. Like I still have stuff that I bought during the pandemic that I haven't even taken out of the box that I thought in that moment, oh my gosh, I'm going to go on Amazon and I'm going to order this and I'm going to feel great. And then it arrives and the moments pass. I mean, that's embarrassing, but it's true. And um, so I... I just kept doing that and the girls started doing that. And then we, um, we really transformed most of our space and the energy in our space so much so that when people would come over, they'd be like, wow, I like the energy here. Like, I want to hang out here. Like when I look at pictures, like I'd post a picture on Facebook and they'd be like, I want to, like, I want to come visit. Like when the pandemic's over, can I come for tea? Can I come for wine? Whatever. (laughs) And I noticed it. And my children noticed it. So what happened was I was actually in your course. I wasn't even thinking about it. True, my most authentic self was when I joined your course, I wanted to stop crying and I want to look in the mirror and actually like myself because I was not liking myself. And then halfway in the course, I was having all these shifts and all this was happening. And I was like, I was so attached. I never wanted the course to end. This is worthy. The first one that Julie joined. Yeah. And I, um, I got this opportunity. I got this email from the person that I had taken the, the five day course. And she was opening, uh, uh, professional decluttering Academy and, she wanted to know if I wanted to be one of the first people through. And I was like, I remember I said to him, like, how am I going to do this? Like, I want to do this, but like, I wasn't even thinking about this. Like, I have a lot on my plate. Like, what am I thinking? Mm-hmm. And um, I got off your call. I went on a call with her for 15 minutes. And then I took out my credit card and I enrolled. And then my friends, this is why the power of intention and believing that Uh things are going to work out and the universe has your back and manifestation is quite real. (laughs) When you show up for the universe, it doesn't happen right away, but the universe knows how to show up for you. And so that night I received an email that said that I'd won this prize and the person messaged me and she said, do you want the prize or do you want the cash? And I was like, oh, how much is cash? And she's like, oh, it's around like five. I think it was $555 actually. So it was an angel number. Oh, wow. So that made me really happy. And then I said, yeah, let me think about it. And then I went and did my tax return and I got a refund that I wasn't expecting. And then I checked and there was an uncashed check that I hadn't even known that I had. And I got out my calculator and I totaled all three of those. And it was the price of the course. (laughs) So, I mean, there was no reason to doubt my decision. And then 
what's even more beautiful is now I've gone through that course. Now I've started my own business. Now I work with people and I get to share with them everything that I've learned. I help them take away the shame they have attached to their stuff. I help them create space, not only in their homes, but in their lives and in their hearts so mm. that they can live a more authentic, joy-filled, peaceful, loving mm. life. Mm. I love that. And this is a question for like, beginner person that I, I've, I've watched all the minimalist movies and stuff like that. I try not to have too much stuff, um, especially after traveling a lot, but like, why would someone need a coach for that? Why would someone need a guide? Why couldn't they just do it themselves? So you would need a coach when you're decluttering. So there's two different types of coaches. So there's decluttering coaches and there's organizing coaches. So okay. organizing coaches come in and they tell you, how much you're allowed to keep and where you need to put it and how you need to store it. The mm. problem with that, and I'm sorry to all my organizational friends, is that they don't, the person doesn't learn why they had their stuff, what the attachment yeah. is to their stuff and why they might want to release it. So my philosophy is you get to choose. So when I meet with someone and I do it over Zoom, I will ask them, okay, how do you feel in your space? And usually they say overwhelmed and stressed and I have too much and I'm not appreciating it and I'm tired. And then when I say, how do you want to feel? They say, joy, calm, peace. Mm. And so when I know that I have all the tools I need because I created that in my house. I believe in that so wholeheartedly that I can share with them. So then we have conversations and we talk about, okay, so and I learned, I have to say that I learned a lot of this from you because I, I talk to them and I'll say, okay, why, why do you think if you're keeping your university textbooks from 30 years ago, what is it about those books that makes you think that if you don't, if you get rid of the books, that you're still not an architect, for example, mm. you're still an architect. The books don't define you. The work that you did made you the architect. And they don't, people don't think about it that way because they think, well, I did all this work and no one is going to know that I did this work if I get rid of it. But they are going to know <laughs> because they mm -hmm. see you doing it every day. Or when someone wants to organize their kitchen and I just ask them to open their cupboard and I ask them, what feelings does that have? And they're like, I feel like the whole thing is going to, um, tumble down on me. And then we'll talk about why they think that. And for a lot of people, it has come from their childhoods, a feeling mm. like they didn't have enough or that they had parents that um, reused everything and saved everything so that they could mm -hmm. save money. And so they brought that forward. And so then mm. when I just share that they get to choose and it doesn't make you a bad person, if you decide that I'm not going to keep seven broken mugs because there might be a use for it. Mm, yeah. And, th and then they're I'm like, sure you hear that all the time. You're like, but I might yeah. use it someday. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then, then we talk about, well, what is the cost of keeping all the stuff, which is just stuff. It's not you, Danielle, it's just stuff, mm -hmm. but what cost is that? And when they start to think about that, they realize, oh, well, I would like to have more time and I would like to feel happier in my space. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes people, that is too much. The very thought of opening, walking into their kitchen or opening their garage or going into their closet is really overwhelming. So then 
I take, I go backwards and I ask them to start a journal and write down everything that they are, that they do in a day. Like I woke up, I brushed my teeth, I had a shower, mm-hmm. I took the dogs for a walk. And then the very last thing is something that they're grateful for. And I asked them to do that for a week. And then they, so far, everyone has come back happier and thought, oh, I do a lot. And I actually have a lot to be grateful and I want to enjoy my mm-hmm. space. And so then I asked them if they could give me 10 minutes and could we work on just one spot? So sometimes that might be like a lot of people have their dining room table is really piled with stuff, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then they can't use it. So then I said, I say to them, what if we just worked on one place setting, just one spot? It doesn't have to be for the whole family, just one spot. And then when they see that and they accomplish that, it evokes these feelings, the same feelings actually that I would get when I would buy things. I get Mm -hmm. when I see a spot that I've decluttered and that Mm -hmm. I've made work for us and serve us and makes me smile. Mm -hmm. And then we just take it one place setting, 10 minutes at a time. Some clients, it's five minutes at a time and um, working on their self-worth. So I do think it all comes back to our sense of worth quite honestly, because we don't feel like we're enough and we are, we're incredible. So I think to answer your question, to answer your question, I feel like a coach holds space for someone so that they don't feel like they're doing it alone. They have someone that they can ask, but they do the work. Like I never tell them what they have to get rid of. I never tell them that they have to do it this way. I even don't tell them that they have to get rid of, like if someone says to me, I just feel like I need those seven broken cups. If that makes them happy and they feel like, yep, Mm. when I open that cupboard, I'm going to be happy looking at that. They get to choose. Mm. So they take their power back. Yeah. 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 And it's like, keep someone like accountable as well, you know, and uh, accountable to, calling that forward and um if anyone is interested in having checking julie's work out we'll put information below as well so they can find more about that and before we wrap up here today julie what is something that you would like to leave people with from our conversation today from the light that is inside of you from everything that you have to share I want people to know that and for moms they, too. Pardon? For moms too. For moms, yes. So I want moms, women, people, the world to know that they matter. They are worthy. They're strong. Mm. They're not alone. That there's not only one way. That there's going to be hard days and you're going to feel like you can't take another breath to remember that it's not actually a hard day. I I say this too. It's a hard day. It's hard moments. Mm -hmm. And when we feel those feelings and we allow ourselves to feel it, sometimes it only takes 90 seconds and sometimes it's going to take longer. Giving ourselves the grace and the belief in ourselves and the knowledge that not every moment will feel like that gives us hope for the future. Mm -hmm. And when we can't find that to look around and to find one thing to be grateful for, because that will change your heart and you will be able to feel supported in that moment. And when 
fear steps in to really remember that that's just a feeling and it's not you. Mm -hmm. And for moms, you don't have to do it alone. You Mm -hmm. are truly doing the best that you can. You are the parent that your children needs. If your children are struggling, try to remember that there's always a reason and they're not trying to hurt you. One beautiful thing that um, that I wasn't going to share, but I will share, is we were on a call and one of our members was sharing about something that was happening with her daughter. And my older daughter has never gone on any of our calls. And she was sitting beside me and she said to me, she said, mom, can you please tell her that it's not her fault? and that her daughter loves her. And sometimes we don't know how to tell you that. And we do things because we're trying to get the feelings out, but we know that you love us and we know that we should listen to you and we're doing the best we can. So I think really knowing that all of us are in this lifetime together and we have so many gifts that we can share. And when we truly believe that we're worthy, however that looks to you, and that we matter, things are beautiful. And Mm -hmm. the world is the way that it was meant to be for all of us. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Julie, for sharing in your authenticity and in your truth and your light. And I'm sure you guys can feel the amount of light that Julie has just in her voice. And I just am really excited to see where everything goes for you and your daughters in the next like few years, because I feel like you're just a, a light warrior. You know, you really yes. are. That is, <laughs> that is the word that I would use. And then, so you, you just gave me this idea. So everyone that's listening I'm giving you homework and I would love if you messaged me and you told me that you did it because this is what I want you to do. I want you, after you listen to this, I want you to write a letter to yourself and I want you to date it a year um, to whatever date that you're listening to this. And I want you to write down everything that you see in your life on that day. Mm -hmm. And I promise you things will change. So I hope all of you do that. <laughs> I, I love, love you. Guys. Sign them homework. Oh my God. That's first. That's so good. <laughs> you're it's like, me. <laughs> but you're also, it's you stepping into your like program facilitator, you know, so you're, yes. you're embodying it. Right. Yeah, yes. So good. Yes. Um, well, thank you everyone for listening. If you want to find out more about Julie and her work and her life and her light, you guys can check that out below. I hope that you have enjoyed today's podcast. And please, if you have, you can send Julie or myself a message. It really means the world when we hear from you guys. Um, And we will see you another time. Thank you for being here, Julie. Thank you. It was a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Of course. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Welcome to the other side, beautiful souls. I so deeply appreciate you spending this time with me. My intention with this podcast is to uplift, love on, and inspire you and align my actions with this intention. But as with everything in the world of personal and spiritual development, take what feels good for you and leave the rest. 
As a white, able-bodied, cisgender woman, the perspectives I share here are inherently affected by my privileges. I'm actively invested in learning how to elevate and support lived experiences beyond my own, and I'm always open to and grateful for your feedback. I am listening. No matter who you are, where you're from, or where you're going, I see you, I love you, and you matter. So thank you for listening, beautiful souls, and I'll see you next time.